bankruptcy, divorce laws, disability, probate, there are so many classes on the path to practicing law. Unfortunately, most schools fail to instruct you on the business of law. This is Solo De Facto, a show dedicated to discovering the success secrets that exist in the reality of running a solo practice. My goal is to find the one thing that separates each guest from the rest to give you practical solutions to create a thriving firm. Solo De Facto is sponsored by Back Office Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist. Welcome, everyone. I'm happy to be here today with another episode of Solo De Facto. Today's guest is a talented attorney and legal marketing expert. He's president of Legal Ease Marketing and managing partner at Jordan Law, Florida. Jordan Ostroff, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about um, everything that you have to share today. But my first question is, what's the one thing that you wish attorneys knew about running a successful law firm? You have to know your ideal client. Like the more that you understand that part of it, the easier it is to fill in everything else around it to make every other decision, uh, et cetera, et cetera. That is something that I feel like is so hard to wrap your brain around. Cause the question that it uh, like initially comes up for me is, okay, how do you find that information? What, what advice do you have when someone doesn't know where to even start looking for that kind of information? Great question. So if you've been doing this for a while and you don't know your ideal client yet, what I want you to do is think about the cases and the clients that you've really enjoyed and see if they have something in common. You know, you can work backwards if you've been running a practice for a while. Um, you'll find that either maybe it's clients with a similar charge, maybe it's clients of a similar age, maybe it's clients of a similar job title, maybe it's clients of a similar interest that's totally unrelated to their case. But you can work backwards that way. If not, then you've got to look forward. So it really has to be you thinking about like, what kind of cases do I want to handle? And the more niche and specific you get with that, the easier it'll be to find your ideal client. Um, and then also you obviously in that point want to also focus on who can afford to pay you. Because I talk to a lot of attorneys that go to law school that want to basically be like a legal clinic, you know, and have helping single moms who are on welfare get through their divorce. But then it comes back to the fact that like they can't financially afford to do that. So it becomes this thing where you really have to find your ideal client and then buffer that, you know, 10% for pro bono or low bono cases or whatever that number is going to be to still be able to actually provide the help that you've been called to offer as an attorney while still being able to pay the bills that they will require you to pay. Yeah, absolutely. You can't work for free, but your heart might want you to. Yep. Um, and so what are the specific parts when somebody, when you're saying, you know, you're mentioning their interest or like their job, what are the most important things to look at when you're trying to figure out exactly what that ideal client needs to be? So I mean, there's, there's kind of a twofold process of this. There's the them side and there's the you side. So from the them side, you know, if you've got a couple of those clients you really love, take them out to lunch, have them come to the office or go through Zoom and like really just talk to them about their life, really get their story, find out their interests, find out what kind of drives them. And you can use that going forward. Um, if you don't have that person, then really you're kind of creating a fake person. You know, you're creating this I call it the ideal client avatar. That's what we've got lined up there if you're going for somebody who doesn't yet exist in your law firm's part. But then from the you side, you also have to look at like what about what genuinely about me, like what truly about me 
is the thing that they truly need? Like, what is that connection point going to be on? You know, if you are the absolute best lawyer in the entire world, then you need to explain why to those specific clients, why it matters in their case, why it has to be you and what makes you the best. If you are really good at getting cases handled in an amicable manner, then you want to try to, you know, explain that to clients and find the clients that really care about it being amicable as opposed to, you know, fire and brimstone and whatnot. And so you're looking for kind of the intersection of those two things, but it really, really truly has to be like something that is honest about you. It can't be you faking it because your client's going to get that kind of gut feeling that something's not right. So you need to kind of compare those things to figure out where that ultimate kind of Venn diagram intersects on the cases you can handle and the benefit of why you're their number one go-to attorney, where you're the best firm for them. That's great advice to get, to think about what you like to offer as well. And, and knowing that you are being authentic in what you're promising and making sure that that messaging matches up to what your avatar might want. I think that's something that sometimes gets missed too. When people are thinking about who they're going to serve versus their, you know, skill sets. And sometimes there's a big clash of like, well, are they even going to want what I'm offering? Is this person that I think wants me actually going to want what I'm offering? And do I even want to work with them? What, um, what advice would you give somebody who was trying to figure out how to narrow down that authentic thing that they're offering when they are trying to make this match to their avatar? Great question. This is, I mean, you just asked what I think is the hardest question because like I ask this of everybody, whenever I'm talking to anybody who's talking about branding, who's talking about marketing, like I always try to get down to this. And like the issue is, unfortunately, there is no real common answer. Like you are, you are truly having this introspective moment of like, what about me is appealing to other people or my ideal client? And it's going to change for everybody, you know, and if you're not sure what it is, then ultimately you got to kind of try it. You know, I get cases, not because I'm a great attorney, because there's, you know, 1.3 million attorneys in the country. A lot of them are great. I'll get cases. I'll be somebody's number one because I'm a Dolphins fan, because I talk about hanging out with my three-year-old, because I also have a marketing company, because like it's, nobody really cares about your actual job. They care about the things about you that surround that that they can relate to, that appeal to them, that give you that, you know, better perspective um, on the case. And so it's crazy to me that we kind of get this concept going through law school of being this really stuffy attorney, always wearing a suit, um, something along those lines. And then we get out there and we're trying to get cases and we look just like everybody else and we sound just like everybody else. And we're trying to be just like everybody else. But when you really figure out about being you and what about you fits with the kind of law you're trying to practice, what about you fits with your ideal client, then like you're going to upset people. You're going to piss them off. You're going to drive people away, but you're going to drive the right people away because you're going to attract the right people so much more. You know, it's, it's, it's no good for, uh, so what do we have? We have 400 million people in the country, right? Like it's no good for all of them to know you and you to be the fifth attorney they ever think of. You know, that sounds great for everyone to know you, but if you're not that number one, if you're not that top, if you're not the one that they're thinking about in that moment, you're not going to get the case. You're not going to be the firm that they decide to go with. You're not going to be the one who gets the work. You've got to be number one. And so from that perspective, you could be number one to like a hundred people and be totally fine. And you might have everybody else who like genuinely hates you or does, or doesn't know you or whatever it's going to be, but that will actually be so much more 
effective, financially rewarding, uh, easier to grow your firm. I don't know. It just, it's a crazy concept. I feel like there's so many ways that that relates to, but it really is true that you have to be turning some people off to make room for the people that are going to be the best fit. And you can't make everyone happy because then nobody's actually going to be happy. They're just going to be kind of like, eh. And I think that's something that people struggle with too, is figuring out what it is that they're okay with turning people off about. Um, yes, totally. Like <laughs> think like a magnet, like that's, you know, like we, we look at, I'm not telling you to go out there and be like, this is my stance on abortion and religion and politics, whatever, but like, think like a magnet. You know, if you are, if, if all your clients are a piece of metal, one end of the magnet's going to pull them in and one end of the magnet's going to push them out. And it's really, I guess it's kind of the opposite because your, your clients will make the decide on whether they're attracted or not, or potential clients, but like a magnet's not right or wrong. The North pole or the North South pole, like it's not right or wrong. It's in that situation. It's the right fit. And in the other situation, it's not. And that's how you have to have that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to, um, that you are thinking about what kind of people you like to work with so that when you're attracting them, you're not, you're being authentic and you're having fun and you're enjoying your job. And I've noticed that this is a trend recently in the legal industry that is kind of exciting that that authenticity is allowed to come out and people are allowed to be a little more, you know, laid back and interesting than before when a lawyer was just looked at as like you said, a stuffy person in a suit. Now there's so many people that you can't be like that and attract the business that you're wanting. And so it's leaving that room for people to really have a personality and do fun things. And like, we have a client who's on TikTok and her, you know, she's giving legal advice on TikTok or not legal advice, but like legal TikToks. She's that, definitively not giving legal advice on TikTok. That, yes. I'm sure there's a I misspoke. <laughs> she is definitely not giving legal advice, but she's giving, you know, information to people on TikTok in a fun way that makes the people that would want to work with her attracted to her. And I think that's something that is really cool that's happening right now. I mean, I always, I kind of put people through this thought experiment. Like imagine it's the Oregon trail time and you're making your way across the country into areas that don't, you know, that, that there's nothing there. And you roll up into this town and there's two attorneys in town. And one of them is like Atticus freaking Finch, the best attorney, you know, Matlock. And the other one is like, eh, okay, but a really good marketer and knows everybody in town. Like which of those two attorneys is going to dominate financially. It's not going to be the one who's great at the law. It's going to be the one who's great with people, except now we're not in the old West. We're not in that time. And you're looking at, I don't know, 500 attorneys within a stone's throw where your office is located with that same problem of, you know, only so many cases and having to stand out. Yeah. Someone else recently said to me that, um, you being a good lawyer isn't going to, which I think you may have said something kind of like this, but being a good lawyer isn't enough because you have to be able to tell people what they're getting from you. That isn't like they're, they could go anywhere and get these services that they're looking for, but what is it about you that's going to stand out? That is the reason that they should hire you. And I, there's so many websites that you go to and you're like, I have no idea what makes this person better than the next door neighbor, you know, <laughs> like, well, the what? sad part is a lot of attorneys don't know what makes them better than the next, the attorney next door or the other one in the office or whatever. Yeah. Cause being a good enough, good attorney isn't enough. 
especially when the people looking for an attorney don't really know what a good attorney looks like. You know, there's so many things that could be considered a win, but would be a turnoff to a potential client because they don't understand the law. I was looking at a website and I think I mentioned this in another conversation, but I was looking at a website for an attorney and one of their like wins was that they're, they got somebody, um, like on house arrest. And, you know, that's probably a win for that person because they didn't go to jail. But to me, I'm like, that's not a win to me because I don't want to be in trouble at all, you know? And so I think there's certain things that you really have to kind of get away from the actual legal part to attract these people that don't know what you do. Well, and Corey, I'll take it a step further. I agree with everything you said. And nobody actually wants to hire you. Nobody wants to hire me. Nobody wants to hire a lawyer. Like nobody wants to go through this process unless like maybe if you only do adoptions, like maybe if you're helping a family truly legally come together, then people want to hire you. But for 99% of the time, people don't want to have been in the accident. Maybe they want the money. Maybe they want the help. They don't want to have been arrested. They don't want to have, you know, they don't want to have to go through the process of buying and selling a house. They just want a home. And like the more that you think of that, that you are just trying to move the needle on their true legal problem and that nobody actually wants to hire you, the easier it is to build those relationships on the non-legal basis, because we as humans love connecting with people. We are a, you know, community, we are a society, and that's what matters to people so much more than the specific reason that they are at the office. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So why do you think that so many attorneys don't do this or what is it that's stopping them from understanding the point that they need to really find their, the person that is their ideal client. They need to find what makes them different to stand out to that ideal client. What is the, I don't know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) The, the, like the one thing that's standing in their way of doing all of that. Look, it's not one thing. It's a million things. So here's I'm going to tell this in terms of my story. Like I am a lawyer still, and I struggled with this myself. Why? Because I went through school and I was pretty good at school and I went through law school and I was pretty good in law school and I took the bar and I did pretty well in the bar and I was a prosecutor and I did pretty well as a prosecutor. And guess what? Never in any of that did I ever have to actually market myself. I sure, I guess, you know, like I, to be president of honors college here or to be in this section, whatever. But like, ultimately, in terms of running a business, never had to do it, no training on it. And then on, you know, October 5th of 2015, I was a prosecutor fourth and October 5th, I was a criminal defense attorney who had to sell people and, and sell my wares and have people hire me and have people give me money. And guess what, like, then you have to learn all those things. And if you do them right, you have the money to maybe hire help. If you do it like me, and you do it wrong, you have to constantly swim upstream uh, you know, hugely in debt. And then like when you do airmark money for a lot of marketing companies, they don't know what you don't know, or they don't care to actually teach you on this stuff. They just want your money to run the SEO or to run the pay-per-click or to blatantly steal from you. I mean, uh, you know, that's the reality of it is we're put in this situation where people view attorneys as having a ton of money and being super smart. When in actuality, the average solo attorney makes like $63,000 a year, which is nothing bad until you figure that you on average have $150,000 in law school loans, plus a mortgage, plus whatever else, plus, you know, so we become sort of easy marks because we have no training on business. We have no training on marketing. We have no training on sales. We really are just trained to be critical thinkers 
in a way where we actually kind of talk ourselves out of learning a lot of things. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so going back to when you first started your firm and you needed to start marketing yourself, what do you think the one mistake that you made, like the biggest mistake that you made at that point was? So another good question, Corey. So here's, here's what I did right unintentionally. Um, I was talking to Allison Williams of Law Firm Mentor yesterday, and she talked about being an unconscious competent. So in that moment, I was an unconscious competent. I came up to Orlando to go to UCF in 2006. I went to Barry from 2009 to 2012. I did trial team at UCF. I did trial team at Barry. So I was doing fake trials in front of real attorneys and judges who were local to the area. I was a prosecutor here for over three years. So like at the point that I started my practice, I was a good like 10 years into the area knowing the legal community. So I was able to generate work not really having any understanding of why or what to do, not with the work. I got that part, but like how to continue the relationship, how to build new relationships. Like I just didn't know. And so I was in a weird way able to generate enough money to then be like, well, I'll just add a marketing company. I'll just hire somebody. I'll just do this. And it'll make it that much better. And instead it didn't, it made it worse because I had none of that foundational stuff um, set out. And so next thing you know, I was $200,000 in debt on the firm, having brought no debt with me, having brought in good money when it was just me having not known, you know, what to do or how to spend it. Um, and it was just, I, I created my own self-fulfilling prophecy of horrendousness. And then finally was able to kind of break through it by connecting with now my business partner on legalese and really filling out that marketing, that business foundation. I'm going to call it not even marketing foundation, but like really getting that core stuff set. So now you can build everything on top of it um, in a much more stable manner. It can be so easy to just dive into what you know how to do and ignore all of those other pieces until it gets to a point where you can't ignore it. And then at that point, it's so hard to restart it or, you know, start from scratch because you have all these other things that it has to work into. I have seen that struggle firsthand. I've worked in that struggle firsthand and it's, it would be so much easier to just start it from the get go, you know, or as soon as you notice that there's an issue instead of waiting for it to blow up because gosh, it's hard to squeeze all those pieces in and just try and make it fit when you're only focusing on what you know how to do. Well, and the funniest part is so like, look, I, I, the hundreds of attorneys I've talked to. 90% or more are starting with nothing. Like maybe you have a couple clients, you've got like credit card, you can max out, but almost nothing. So you've got time and you're trying to find money. And then you have some other ones that are start with money, bring a caseload, leave another firm, whatever, but now need to find the time. So I had the benefit of starting with time and no money, but then generating enough business, but blowing the money. So at that point I had no time and no money when it was really trying to set these things back up. Um, which, you know, it sucked, but it was a great learning opportunity to get me where I am now. And I'm truly trying to help other attorneys avoid the same pitfalls. Yeah. I would love to go a little further back into how you, more of this story of how you, um, you know, you went to law school and then made your way into a successful firm. And then you made your way into a successful marketing firm. I would love to hear more on how you made this all happen. Sure. 
Um, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer forever, had no idea what that meant in any way, shape or form. When I was in sixth grade, we had to do job shadowing and somehow I got to job shadow a judge. Like my grandmother was in a retirement facility with the judge's mom. They connected. I got to go in and I was like, this is awesome. And I still had no idea what it was. And then I did trial team at UCF and I was like, oh, you're just arguing with people and trying to convince them you're right. Like literally that's what I've done. You can watch my home videos. And I am like arguing with my parents about the dumbest things and trying to convince them that I am right. Um, so it was kind of, you know, is sort of meant to be in that manner. Um, and, but I went right through high school, right through college, right through or undergrad, right through law school with no life experience whatsoever. And so for me, like the coolest things I was, uh, I was like maybe three weeks into being 24 when I graduated law school. But the coolest thing was this law school I went to, a lot of people were there on second careers. And so like in contracts class, they're like, oh, we're learning about widgets when it comes to, you know, uh, construction. And somebody like, oh, I was a foreman for 10 years. Like, yeah, that's how we do it and this and that. And then, you know, you learn about some sort of crazy car accident uh, product liability case. And somebody was like, oh yeah, you know, I worked at a, you know, I worked at a car dealership and that was a huge issue. There was a massive recall. And like, you realize that all this became life experience. And so for me, I think a lot of it was like, the immense failure of the beginnings of my firm truly being the right business life experience I needed to give myself an entire new degree of, you know, business knowledge from YouTube, from podcasts, from going to conferences and whatnot. Like it was, that's what I needed, I think, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but that's how it's been. That is pretty much how all of my best learning has ever come is from the absolute necessity of like needing to make a change and do something different. Um, sometimes really hard lessons too, like running your firm into the ground. <laughs> right. Um, well, not into the ground, running no, okay. really close to the ground. Really yeah, no, close. Uh, you like, made your way back out. You had a shovel and you got out. I always, I take it back to, um, I think it's, it's uh, the hangover. I think it's the hangover too where they, uh, where Ken Jeong is like, but did we die? Like that is, <laughs> yeah. there are so many learning moments I've had that like, at some point the real thing was, but did you die? And no, yeah. so far, you know, knock on wood, I'm on a, I'm on a real wood desk. So, so far, so good. There you go. And so now that you do have these two successful businesses, what is the one thing that you're really surprised that you're great at? Wow. Um, okay. I got it. So I was an egotistical asshole, like, and I am, I'm willing to admit that. Like I did, I was, I was really good at fake trial. I got a scholarship to do it at law school. I was, so I'm sitting there like as a one L competing against three L's in law school, thought I was hot shit. And at the end of the, my one L year, one of the three L's sat me down and we had this super long heart to heart conversation. And basically she was like, the biggest thing holding you back is that you're a dick. And for like 45 minutes, I was like in my head, thankfully I didn't verbalize any of this, but in my head, I was like, this is the pot calling the kettle back black, like everything you're saying, you know, you're worse than that, whatever. But then finally, like 45 minutes in it clicked. And I was like, but she's right. And like, I didn't want to admit that the whole way through, but finally it like, it clicked for me. Um, and so I have tried really hard to overcome that egotism. And it was really easy when like, I really screwed up the firm. And so now I think like the thing that I am best at in a super meta way is knowing how many things I'm not the best at. Like I delegate things so easily because I am not an in the weeds person. I am floating off into space and everybody else is keeping me tethered to the, uh, the business, the day-to-day, -day, whatever it is in both companies. 
And so that makes me, I think a really good like visionary or really good prospecting or really good just engaging with other people and having conversations because I'm not a normal attorney who's like, well, in the case of blah, 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 the dissent found that, I don't know, haven't read any of those in years, um, but I've been able to find those people and been able to well, marry one of them and find a couple other ones who are phenomenal on that side of it to really make a great uh, law firm. And then meeting some amazing marketing talent, especially through people getting laid off during COVID who had no business getting laid off and had amazing experience that we were able to pull into um, legalese on the marketing side. And I'm just like, you all are the experts in this part. Like I'll keep us on the rails, but you're the one who gets to drive the train because you're the expert in the law, in pay-per-click ads and websites and, you know, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. For a lot of people, that's a really hard lesson. So that's awesome that you are able to learn that and be able to do what you're good at and delegating everything else. What is one of the most exciting things coming up for you in the future? Ooh, most exciting thing coming up in the future. I mean, so my wife and I are doing an 11 month road trip with our three-year-old where we fly back to Orlando every, like for a week, every month. So we are one month in, this is the first time we've been back to Orlando since we left. So I'm hoping that it continues to be as fun and exciting as we continue out West. That's awesome. So what's the goal for that? Are you just seeing the whole country or? Uh, not the whole country, but like there's so, so I had never been to Alabama or Arkansas until this trip right now, one of our cars in, uh, in Houston, will go back there and head West, never been to Arizona, never been to New Mexico, never been to Utah, never been to Colorado. So like, we'll hit a bunch of spots, um, that I've just, that I've never been to that. My wife has never been to that. Obviously the three, three and a half year old has never been to. Um, but also it's sort of one of those, like proving that we can, you know, I talk to so many attorneys all the time. They're like, but I need to be in the office, but I have to be the one who does this, but I have to do this. And I'm like, look, I'm not even in the state. I'm not even in the, in the office, not in the state, not anything like COVID has taught us that I, there are so few things that we actually have to be in a specific place for. And so we're trying to capitalize on that opportunity as much as possible. Cause I am not taking another bar exam. So yeah, law, that- law wise, I'm going to be stuck. <laughs> That's awesome. And it really is another testament to how legal is changing and like the way that you can do so much virtual now that it's making it accessible for not only, you know, clients to find you virtually, but also for you to be able to work wherever you want to be and, and continue to get stuff done. That is awesome. Totally. And I think it helps you understand your clients a lot better. You know, like if you are, if you're doing like high level business stuff and your client, one of your business clients opens up an office in a different state, it's really easy to either connect with a lawyer who's local or, you know, get your butt over to the new location that they've got and kind of check out the area a little bit more while still being able to handle your stuff back here. So it's all the interconnectedness to make things hopefully better for everybody. That is really cool. Um, I hope you continue to enjoy that. (laughs) Um, I have one more question for you. Where can people find you? Sure. Um, so the best thing for me is if you go on LinkedIn, if you look for Jordan Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F, there are two of us. The other one is a really good salesperson in Boston because I get a ton of job opportunities for him. So if his bosses are listening, like he's a keeper um, or, and then there's me. So I'm the second best Jordan Ostroff of the two of us, but I do try to post stuff on LinkedIn to help law firm owners for free get to like 
$500,000 a year in gross revenue, which seems to be the mark where they can then hire us. Um, if they're looking to do that, jordanlawfl.com for personal injury in Central Florida, legalesemarketing.com for fractional CMO work for lawyers. Perfect. And we will link all of that in the show notes. Cool. Um, thank you so much, Jordan. This has been a really awesome conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's a blast. And to everyone listening, if you've learned something or enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone else who might get some value and we will catch you next time. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information, visit our site at solodefacto.com. And remember, smash that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Solo De Facto is sponsored by Back Office Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist, helping you grow your firm one call, one chat, one new client at a time. To discover how they can help you grow your firm, head on over to backofficebetties.com and mention the Solo De Facto show for an exclusive listener offer.